Support for this season of Check the Pantry comes from Bay Realty. Bay Realty has been listing and selling homes, lots, acreage, multifamily, commercial properties, and property management in the southern Kenai Peninsula since 1974. Learn more and view current listings at bayrealtyalaska.com or by calling 235-6183. Additional support for Check the Pantry comes from the Grog Shop Wine Club which each month provides members with two or three bottles of unique wines that are currently unavailable in the Homer market. These wines are curated by Patrick Driscoll, who has worked at Michelin Star Restaurants in New York and is the only Level 3 sommelier in Alaska. More information at 235-5101. Many of us, including my past self, have long had negative feelings about vermouth, based on our experience with ancient bottles long past their prime. Matt Iverson from Turnigan Vines is here today to destroy all those assumptions. From KBBI in Homer, Alaska, my name is Jeff Lockwood, and it's time to check the pantry. It's hard to order a martini at an ordinary bar and expect to get anything other than a shot of gin in a glass that maybe had some vermouth swirled around in it and dumped out. Someone in the room will inevitably repeat the quote attributed to Winston Churchill that a proper martini is made by waving the glass in the direction of Italy and adding gin. If you do specify that you want a detectable quantity of vermouth in the glass, it's likely to taste flat or vinegary or otherwise off because the bottle has been open for months and stored at room temperature, which is fine for Madeira, but terrible for vermouth. I've often suspected this is one of the biggest reasons the dirty martini with a hefty shot of olive juice in the glass has become so popular. It covers up any bad flavors from old vermouth. There aren't a lot of times when I'm willing to put my foot down and say that something is absolutely wrong, but this is one of them. It is a real shame that we treat vermouth this way, as a dusty old bottle that's kept around for reasons no one really understands. In fact, the stuff can be delicious, and usually is. And using fresh, quality vermouth in a martini is light years better than a shot of straight gin. With a little club soda and lemon zest, vermouth is a great afternoon drink. It doesn't even take up much room in a refrigerator where it should be stored after opening and where it will last for at least a few weeks. And high quality vermouth is only a couple of dollars more than the cheap stuff. If the first thing you think of when you hear the word vermouth is some nasty, metallic, noxious liquid, it's time to throw that association out the window because it's not even close to reality. Matt Iverson, and I live here in Homer. Um, and my day job, I'm the wine and spirits portfolio manager for a, for a distribution company here in the state. So just to kind of set the scene here, 
I got a big pile of, I made a gnocca frito, which are basically a savory donut, fried in lard, pickled carrots from last year. I got a farmer's cheese and roasted oyster mushroom dip and some pork scratchings from a big vat of lard I rendered yesterday. Matt has contributed some salmon roe, creme fraiche. Uh, a little creme fraiche with some uh, diced up wild pineapple. All leaves. right. And Safeway Select entertaining <laughs> crackers. Only the best. Only the finest. So we're here because we're gonna talk about vermouth. Everybody always asks, the first thing is, what is vermouth? Mm-hmm, that they do. Really at its core, vermouth is wine. Vermouth is a wine base that has been infused with a number of different botanicals and then fortified in its alcoholic strength up to 16 to 18% through the addition of brandy or neutral grape spirit. So that's pretty much vermouth at its core, but, but the chief thing to know about it really is that it is wine at its heart and um, thus should be treated like wine in its storage and preservation. And its history comes out of wine. You know, people have been infusing botanicals into wine pretty much as long as they've been fermenting wine grapes. Was it like a medicinal thing originally? In, yeah, back in the old days, it would have been, I, I think, chiefly used for medicinal purposes. The word vermouth comes from the German word for wormwood. And their word for wormwood is vermouth. Oh. Um, and so wormwood is, is not necessarily the most dominant flavor in the botanicals you're adding to vermouth, but it is, I guess, the category-defining ingredient. So it's, you know, essentially, traditionally, it, it's got to have wormwood to be called vermouth. Alaska, even, we have, what, four or five wormwood species. Really? Yeah, it's so like even, you know, I brought this um, mm. little sprig just from our house. This is... Uh, just that tall wormwood you'll often see growing alongside the road. Mm -hmm. uh, it's Artemisia telesii, I think it is. They all have a strong bitter flavor, but they've been used medicinally for thousands of years. But yeah, back in the day, right, it was just for medicinal use. Um, it wasn't probably until the last 300 to 400 years that it became more of something that people are just drinking mm -hmm for pleasure. So that would have been like in the 1700s in northern Italy, southern France, where you're starting to see like cafe culture and and bigger towns crop up. So you're having people sitting in cafes and nibbling on snacks and needing something to drink. Yeah. Vermouth becomes like a huge hit straight out of there. Why did it become so popular for, for this purpose? It's stronger than wine, so... It's stronger than wine. Uh, yeah, 16, 17% seems to be what the most of the commercial types are. Um, but on the other hand, you would probably be drinking less. So maybe just three ounces or so. Um, and the other nice thing about it is having all those botanicals added does have a nice, like, sort of open up the digestive system. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a good prelude to a snack. Uh, especially if you're not going to have dinner until well later, you know, five, six hours later into the night. Yeah. Um, the other reason, too, is that once you fortify the wine up to that 17%, it's a lot more shelf-stable. So you can have a bottle of vermouth that, as long as you're keeping it in the fridge, is, is going to last you weeks, no problem, where a bottle of wine, maybe, you know, days. maybe three days. Yeah. yeah. It's wine that's fortified with brandy, and aromatics, but what's the what's the character of the base wine? Like, what do they use? Do they just use anything, or 
Is there like specific varietals? That's a great question. It is one of the things that separates your everyday humdrum vermouth brand from the host of newer vermouth producers that are really trying to do something interesting and from the longer standing producers, but that have always had quality at the fore. So you certainly can use uh, what, what people would just call a neutral white wine base. Um, they're just saying, great, this is wine no one else has used for it. We can yeah. buy it in bulk, like in an oil tanker yeah, sort of Yeah, just so like thing. unaged, like really basic unaged whatever. white wine. So in Italy, that could be a couple different grapes. Pro probably the most common would be Trebbiano. And there's a few, and Trebbiano can be good on its own, but uh, there's a lot of just bulk commodity Trebbiano. In France, it's likely grapes that you never even see on a label, things like Uni Blanc and Colombard. So they're really high yielding in the vineyard mm -hmm. and they're pretty acidic and they don't have a ton of sort of big flavors on their own. So that acidity, um, and the high yield kind of makes them perfect for uh, a wine you can make a ton of and sell really cheaply. But if that's what you're starting with, uh, you know, the quality can only get so much better, especially right. when it's 80% of the actual yeah. <laughs> volume in your glass. So there are a lot more producers now that are starting to not only think, well, why don't we use a little higher quality wine as our vermouth base, but they're also starting to think, well, why couldn't we use a wine that has a ton of character mm. as the base of our vermouth. Let's, let's start there and take the flavors we're finding in that wine and accent them or give them a twist through the suite of botanicals we add. So in general then, is the wormwood really the only thing that's tying all this together as vermouth? Like, is there a, is there like a, a, an obvious through line? Like the way there is with, you know, even like the crappiest, you know, $10 bottle of plaid, whatever, uh -huh. scotch. Like you can tell it's the same stuff as like a 21-year-old right. town, you know? <laughs> so is it that way with, with, with vermouth where like there's a definite family resemblance or are they just, because the herbs can be so different and the wines can be so different, is it just different? Well, that is a question that I think is best answered by drinking some vermouth. Luckily, we just so happen to have- Wow, what a coincidence, a, you brought some. About 12 <laughs> different vermouths, oh my God. I think. So yeah, put your big boy pants on. All right. We're going places here. Here we go. So, you know, I would say even just as, oh, yeah. a, that looks as familiar. a baseline, right? So we've got here um, a bottle of Martini and Rossi, vermouth, extra dry, the classic tiny green bottle. If you aren't quite sure what we're talking about, it was in your grandparents' house on the shelf. <laughs> and it sat there for yeah. two years. It was the same bottle. <laughs> um, yeah. But this, it, it actually is made in Italy. Like this is, this is It is, like, so this is, the, and this is, you know, I, I don't even mean to, uh, Later on in, in our talk, I'll probably say horrible things about Martini and Rossi, especially, <laughs> especially after the more and more vermouth I drink. Yeah. But really, like, I, there is nothing wrong with this vermouth. Yeah. It often gets mistreated, but, but it's fine. But it would be uh, the perfect example of just mass-scale vermouth that's out there. Yeah. You could walk into any liquor store and pick it up. 
That's the extra dry, so I'm gonna grab a couple other versions of dry vermouth alongside. Oh yeah, still there. This one is starting to become fairly well known in Alaska. That's my uh, standard. Um, so this one here, now oh. the, the third bottle, this is an extra dry vermouth also from Italy, but this is uh, a much smaller producer from Piedmont named Bordiga. Okay. Um, and so I think even if we just taste these three in a row, you can see the family resemblance, I think, but you'll also see how much they diverge. So I'd say we should yeah, let's do crack it. them up. And probably for this purpose, you know. So this is the Martini Rossi. This is Martini and Rossi. A lot of alcohol, I get. Yeah, right away on the nose. Um, Almost like a little sour. Yeah, there's, there's, to me, there's like a hint of brine to it, almost a little salty, mm. a little bit of olive. So, you know, it's like mm. the sort of oh, thing yeah. that would easily lean into making a dirty martini because it has that sort of accent. It smells a tiny bit oxidative to me, and maybe that's where some of the olive or some of the sourness is coming from. Not oxidative in, in like, a, oh, it's it's gone bad, yeah. just that it's seen some oxygen during its production method, and that's you know, just a part of the vermouth. I mean, that's mostly what I get on the nose. I don't get a whole lot more. It's also interesting just looking, because the, the Bordiga bottle is clear, and it's like a pale kind of straw yellow, whereas this right. is like completely clear. It looks like vodka. Yeah, yeah, the tiniest, I mean, maybe? Yeah, I guess no, there's a little, very little the bit. The faintest of, straw there, yeah. but. A little sweetness, mm -hmm. um, not overwhelming, which is nice, you wouldn't want it to dominate. But that prickle of acidity on the back palate keeps yeah. it fresh. It's definitely not very complex though, it's not like, moving around my palate yeah, or anything. It has you know, kind of it's pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the 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 flavor package is like, hi, I'm a little sweet, I'm a little tart, and I'm friendly. Bye. Yeah. That's yeah, it. I'm not getting like a lot of like herbal real heavy herbal notes right. or anything like that. It, honestly if I <laughs> if I went to a party and someone had this and they poured it over ice, I, I wouldn't be upset. You know, yeah, I wouldn't no. pour it in their face um, <laughs> and grab the Nyoko Frito and run. <laughs> Okay, so we're moving on to the second bottle. Oh, wow. Uh, this is the uh, Dolan. Wow, So it's right away you smell that, there's yeah. a lot more florals to mm -hmm. me. It's almost like a meadow. Yeah, I mean, it's a really nice, really nice inviting bouquet. It doesn't, doesn't hit you, but it's, it just sort of seductively pulls you in. Almost like honey. Definitely, yeah, a little bit of a honeyed quality. I, I really like that nose. Mm. And this is a French vermouth, uh, you know, certainly they'll be overlapping in some of the botanicals they're using, but they're, they're both going to be using different plants uh, endemic to their region, or at least sort of uh, local to their region. Yeah, it doesn't have at all any of the like alcoholic kind of notes. That right, and not, of not any of the briny. I mean, I find it no. overall fresher. I, I, there's none of that oxidative quality either. Let's take a sip. Ooh, that makes you want to have another sip. Indeed. It's almost like a lemony kind of top. There's a lot of top notes. Like all of a yeah. sudden, like my tongue's kind of dancing a little bit. I mean, that wildflower <laughs> is like, is huge for me. It just like stays. It's almost like a dried floral yeah. thing. Well, one of the things that I always feel like, you know, in food and in, in wines is like, mm. is like the texture of it and the way that it feels in your mouth and the way that like now my tongue is literally like kind of tingling a little bit and it's, it's like excited, you know, and it actually makes me want 
another sip or it makes me want like i'm probably gonna have to grab some food because now i'm like Ooh, right well, this is you can, really interesting you can feel you know your mouth starting to salivate from from the acidity and the the flavor experience you know is is much longer and more dynamic than mm -hmm. the martini it goes really nice with that farmer's cheese mushroom dip Ooh, i'll be the judge of that mm. yeah and that's you know vermouth really works so nicely alongside little nibbles that mm -hmm. pack a lot of flavor yeah, you know, that to me is like the the quintessential aperitivo combo is is little bites full of flavor with little sips of vermouth that are also just flavor packed. Um, so let's try this this third one. Yes, let's. I'm gonna crack this guy open. Nice picture of the dude on the camel. Yeah. So this, so, um, so Bordiga is a historic producer of um, vermouth di Torino. That's sort of a protected designation for. Vermouth coming from the Torino area in Piedmont, Italy. So I'll pour a little. Definitely got a lot more color than either of the two others. For sure, yeah. I mean, it's not like super yellow, but there's right. But you like... you see it, yeah. You see that oh. color absolutely. Ooh, right. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's like seriously floral. Straight away on the nose, there's just there's layers. And, you know, similar to the Dolan, there's that floral piece, but I would say, you know, the, the amplitude is turned oh, off yeah. on this guy. Yeah, like, it's really intense. Even though it's, even though it's, it is very floral, it doesn't have that, like, slight honeyed sort of, like, heaviness to right. it. Like, it's very, very toppy. Mm. Mm. Okay, I gotta try it now. Whoa! <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow! So that has character. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, that's that's this should be just their official motto. They're, Bordiga. There's a lot going on there. That's something. It's, Spicier. There, and actually, uh, aside from just spice, of all these three, this is the first where I really notice, especially in the mid palate, any bitterness, mm. and in in an appetizing, pleasing sort of bitterness. Yeah. You know? Just a pinch. And it definitely sticks around at the end. Like the finish is a lot longer than either of the other two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it doesn't have the tingle, quite the tingle that the that the Delan did. Yeah, it's a little bit weightier. It sort of coats my palate mm. a little bit more. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting. Yeah. And it kind of rules like it's still like it's still going. Yeah. So this is an interesting example because with Bordiga, they are using not only a really high quality white wine base, but they're using specific wines regional to Piedmont to okay. help essentially um, to help accentuate the Piedmontese character of this vermouth. And what, so what are they using? Uh, primarily Moscato. There's probably a really? little. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, that, okay. that floral note you get. Yeah. That. Okay. That makes Moscato, sense. Moscato. But it doesn't drink like Moscato no, no. you're used to, not only because it's not made in quite the same way. They're fermenting it to a different level of alcohol and you know, then they're adding lots of botanicals that really have... Oh, what'd you, what'd you eat there? The salmon roe. Oh, yeah. I bet that would be great. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of electric. Mm. You know, salty, smoky, Yeah, the way the, the way the salt kind of hits with the vermouth is... Uh, oh, yeah. That's super nice. Nice. And so, you know, these, they're called... They say, they say dry on them, but they all contain some sweetness. It's just mm. it. The sweetness oh, yeah. doesn't overpower. You know, it's in balance. Yeah, no, it's and definitely... that sweetness is nice up against the salt. I mean, that's just oh, it's magic. One of the classic interplays. 
So now I'll put that question back to you. I mean, <laughs> family resemblance or different altogether? No, I think they're, you know, they definitely all, you can tell that they're related. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that, that the, the Martini and Rossi is definitely like, it's pretty one dimensional. Yeah. It just does one thing. It's not bad. It's not unpleasant at all. The other two are just levels above in, you know, how it sits in your mouth and how it, how it transports over your palate. Right. It's uh, those uh, microwavable burgers <laughs> at the gas station versus a custom grind I would actually in your say, favorite no, I wouldn't. Or, I, wouldn't say it was, I wouldn't say it was that bad. Okay, I would say okay. like McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, McDonald's. You yeah. know, McDonald's and then like Shake Shack. Uh-huh. And then, you know, just the really good stuff. The Lockwood Supreme yeah. burger. Yeah. All right, what do we got next? So next lineup, we're, we're doing a couple sort of Nope. You know, Martini and Rossi again. Side by side comparisons, just just to really illustrate here. It looks so. like we're going into the uh, sweet vermouth now. Indeed. Again, we've got uh, three different bottles of sweet vermouth or rosso vermouth. It's, some people call them one or the other, but essentially interchangeable. We got Martini and Rossi, rosso vermouth. Right. We have again Dolan Rouge from southern France, and then we have another Italian vermouth, and this is Macchia. Rosso vermouth uh, okay. from Sardinia. So we'll start with the martini. Wait, question before we get to it. Oh yeah. Uh, is this, are these made with red wine or are they made with white wine? Most red vermouths are made with white wine. Okay. Um, the coloring comes from caramelized sugar that is, that is used get... often to sweeten them. Okay. Uh, as well as sometimes just caramel color added to them as I'm well. I'm guessing probably the martini and Rossi has caramel color. It does. But look at that. It does. Yeah, Indeed. Like, yeah, and it's, so it's not like red, you know, it's sort of no, yeah, it's, tawny. Uh, yeah, it looks like a tawny port or, right. or like a flat Coke. I, I wouldn't say that this is dramatically different in smell to, to the white version. Right, right. And that's, you know, underscores the fact that 75, 80% of what's in your glass here is the same. It's probably oh. the same white wine base. I mean, so... The differences will then be maybe the sweetness level yeah. and what botanicals are used. Uh, okay. So often with the dry vermouths, they do tend to lean towards things that come across a little bit lighter, brighter, more floral, you know, like angelica root, mint, chamomile. In the red vermouths, they might use some of those same things, but then they're gonna add to that a whole host of different things, uh, cinchona bark, which is the same thing you use in tonic water, cinnamon bark, sometimes even things like allspice, okay. berries, or clove. Um, so I don't, we're, getting, we're getting more into like spices yeah, than herbs? Yeah, and, and, and it just sort of works a little, maybe better with the sweetness, I think is, is their thinking. But let's taste. That's sweet. It's pretty sweet. It's, it's, um, it's really sweet. It's kind of hard to drink on its own. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And to be fair, like I, I'm not even sure that Martini and Rossi Intended. Incorporated yeah. uh, suggests drinking it on its own. That is that is the kind of thing that I would only drink standalone if it was the very end of the night. <laughs> right. And it was the only bottle left. Yes. You're you're wiping down the bar top and you see this and you're just like, all right, fine. Yeah, you know. this is yeah. I mean, I could see it being good if it was, you know, like a component of something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, yeah, like, to be fair, because I'm sure they don't 
but typically it's, say drink this on its own. Yeah. Um, but let's try these on on their own uh, and and see what you think. So we're gonna move on to the Dolan Rouge. They are a little darker in color. Almost looks more like whiskey. Mm -hmm. mm. Much more subtle. Yeah, and I get, you know, on this one, on the martini, I mostly noticed that oxidative note yeah. on the nose with a, a sort of like far away suggestion of spice, like an echo of spice. Mm -hmm. Here it's actually, it's not overwhelmingly spice, but I get, um, actually get a little bit of fruit here, like a cherry, mm. almost like a, you know, cherry, cherry pits too. It definitely a little feels, almond side to it. It's definitely, to me, it's, it, it's definitely the most subdued nose of everything so far. Yeah, it's, it's a little mellower, not, yeah, a little more straightforward. So we can take a sip. Much better. Right, so it's still pretty sweet. <laughs> it is but, sweet, but it's not cloying. It doesn't right. have that like, where you just like pucker, right. you know? And in all honesty, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know the technical specs on these, but my suspicion is they're not all that far apart in the actual grams of sugar per liter here. Mm -hmm. Like the martini, my guess is maybe uh, 15, 16 grams per liter. The Dolan is probably 12, maybe a little lower, but but not too far off. Um, but they're using so much more botanicals. Like there's, there's a clear like spicy side yeah. to this vermouth that the martini just doesn't have. Yeah, it definitely has a lot more um vibrancy yeah and it's those I mean, aspects I, that make it interesting to drink on its own well right i mean i'm, I'm much more <laughs> inclined to take another sip than i was with the mm -hmm. the first one it's almost like a peachy kind of thing happening or like there is dried yeah. apricots yeah it's interesting like that and there's something you know how how apric like the, the pit of apricot has the almond mm -hmm. flavor there's something in this that is really suggesting almond to me mm. And uh, kind of makes me curious, you know, uh, the thing with a lot of vermouth producers is they'll they'll tell you some things they're using, but they don't want to reveal too much information right. because it's a secret recipe. You know, they're, essentially the botanicals are going to be such a big uh, point of differentiation for them from any other mm -hmm. bottle out there on the market that, that <clears throat> they keep their cards pretty close to the chest when you go asking what's in it. You know, it reminds me a little bit of Certain styles of sherry. Hmm. Mm hmm Yeah, maybe like um almost like an Oloroso yeah. sherry. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of body, a little nuttiness. Yeah, there's like kind of a and it's and it feels it's got a little bit of that syrupy kind of texture. Yeah. But not much. Like, but it definitely like I feel like my lips are, you know, have a little bit of a mm -hmm. a little bit of a syrupy coating on them. Yeah. It's quite tasty. Oh yeah. That's really nice. And I mean that, you know, that that sweetness again, like I'd put that up against salty bites all day long uh chicken liver pate what's this stuff uh oh this is the pork scratchings pork, pork scratchings bro that's oh, delicious man. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just cleanses the palate oh man super nice wow that's there's tasty. a little five spice in there too so that's probably interacting this is, and... this is good <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna like Dude, see i have ya, you know. i have a gigantic bowl of that <laughs> oh, stuff geez. inside i don't know what to do with it all right, so hold that in in your mind. Hold it on the tongue. We're gonna move on to uh, back to Italy, but um, Sardinia. Here, okay. so this is that Macchia Rosso vermouth. It's even a little bit darker. Ooh, oh wow! It's like spicy and bitter. Yeah, even on the nose. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. it smells bitter. Which, uh, like, I think the the 
apple factory technicians will tell us is maybe not actually a thing. You can't smell bitter. Maybe it's- They're not here and I smell bitter. There's a little bit of like a, almost like a cola kind of scent. Yeah, you know, totally. Like, and maybe that's what, you smell that and you kind of immediately feel that sort of bitterness of, you know, like a cola, mm-hmm. like caffeine. And I also, one of the reasons I brought the wormwood is to just showcase, okay, this is what the dominant ingredient or like the the category defining again ingredient smells like i mean just you know pop your nose in there it's a little little warm for me in the sun but like there's this Mm -hmm. a vaguely medicinal note and you can also you know you can chew on these too so inclined put up in the mouth let it moisten Mm, okay starts out a little like nothing and then once it hydrates strong bitterness Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and if i mean to me like already that taste is reminiscent of the things we like the bitterness totally. in these and that's what i get on the nose here i mean i smell that and i think well i think two things i think i think artemisia mm. um i wouldn't you know i couldn't tell you which species but also maybe a little gentian root uh gentian is small alpine the subalpine flower we have we have several gentian species in the state but okay. the european gentian species um king gentian is a little bit bigger a little more justifiable to harvest when you're up there. And they use the root from gentian for flavoring a lot of vermouths as well. And that's one of those bitter notes I'm getting on the nose here for sure. So right. you tasted already. I, I yeah, jumped, you skipped ahead. <laughs> I jumped the gun. Sorry, yeah, I'm no. kind of lost here because I'm like, whoa, uh-huh. there's, a, there's a lot going so let's on jump here. jump in, yeah. Mm. Wow. A markedly more assertive, and, and I would say even more just assertively bitter than these two. Yeah. And again, I'm guessing probably relatively similar in actual grams of sugar per liter in this bottle. It doesn't but feel it sweet doesn't at all. it doesn't present sweet. No. Yeah, it presents a little drier, more bitter. Yeah, I feel like you don't even get the sweetness really until the end almost, mm-hmm. which is unusual because most of the time sweetness hits first. Yeah, it seems to front load. Oh, that's delightful. That is really quite terrific. For, you know, for people that almost like a dessert wine <laughs> yeah it is it's a little bit and you know for people that like amaro at the end of a, of a meal you know this is a vermouth that an amaro fan i think could easily get into because mm. it has closer to the amaro level of bitterness to it yeah so yeah we should try some nyoko frito boy these are these are great <laughs> i mean it's basically a savory donut yeah you know right well Two of my favorite things. It's made with lard. Savory and donuts. It's made with lard. It's fried in lard. <laughs> it's my love language. Right now, like we're kind of, we're like cruising through these. <laughs> so we're not, we're not pouring them over ice. We're not doing anything. Right? We're just right. drinking them straight up. Right. But imagine, especially like this one or any of these ones that you just really liked on their own. Yeah. Imagine them not only over a little ice. With some club soda. Um, little club soda or a little tonic water. Um, and a twist of citrus, either a little lemon peel or yeah. orange peel. So I brought a couple things. Um, we've got the Mediterranean tonic water and the elderflower right. tonic water. And so here we should actually do, because I really like this one at uh, Shea Iverson, is the uh, extra dry vermouth from Bordiga with the Fever Tree Elderflower tonic water. So I'm gonna grab a little bit of ice out of the cooler here. Pop a little bit of ice in there. You know, this is how we tend to do dinner parties at our place because it looks super fancy and classy and in reality takes 
No. <laughs> Not that much effort, right? That is the secret to a great dinner party. Right, right, right exactly. Lemon zest. Little slice of lemon zest, so. And so when I'm doing a dinner party, you know, I'll get out the glassware, I'll have it ready, and if I'm expecting people soon, I'll even pour the ice in. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll, I'll have already cut all my lemon zest. It's just in a big pile. So as soon as someone comes in the door, I can say, white or red? And they think I'm talking about wine. They say white, I turn around and I make them a vermouth cocktail. They say red, same thing. The only difference is you might swap the tonic water and the vermouth, but it's all the same. So you walk in my door and you say white, I'm gonna pour you a little fever tree elderflower right. into the glass, about half full, Bordiga, extra dry, nice and high. If you pour it kind of nice and high, it mixes itself. Oh yeah, look at that. Mm. That's that. Oh man, that is delicious. Isn't that nice? And you just walked in to, uh, you know, your schmo friend's party. Now even if the food sucks, at least you had right. that. Right, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that's that one. And then, uh, you know, if someone walks in and says red, and they're thinking red wine, I'm gonna crack open the Mediterranean tonic. because it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty dry tonic, and I like that. Okay. So again, fill the glass, eh, about halfway full. Not too picky. <laughs> Top that off with the Macchia Rosso vermouth. And again, nice high pour, and it kind of almost mixes itself here. Uh-huh. And here you can try that too. It looks like so. a Coke, or like an iced tea. This is probably what Coke tasted like when it first came out. You know, a little more medicinal. Oh my God, that is good. Isn't that, isn't that good? Wow. Yeah. That is delicious. Yeah, that's the banger right there. That is awesome. And again, what I really love about vermouth too for, for this sort of drinking and snacking. You put this in the fridge and it's gonna last for weeks. Yeah. So there's not really worry about it going bad. Just just make sure you have an aperitivo hour a couple times a week and you're set. And you know, interesting historical point to note, the originally when people used the phrase dry martini, it's likely that they didn't mean less vermouth it meant use dry vermouth. Because back in the day, martinis commonly were made using white vermouth, which is this in-between category from the dry and the rosso. I accidentally bought a bottle of Blanco oh, right. one time, and uh, I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> and and uh, I was just like, oh, Blanco, I wonder what that means. And I bought it, made a martini out of it straight away, drank it and immediately went, wow, that's sweet. And then, wow, that's delicious. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Yeah, and actually, so that's a, that's a great segue on my end because I've brought yet more bottles oh, of boy. vermouth um, because there is this third category of Wait, vermouth manzanilla? that often gets Wait forgotten. And that category is essentially white vermouth and it goes under different, you know, in France, they call it blanc vermouth in okay. In Spanish, they call it Blanco, Italian Bianco. But it's in the US, it's the forgotten middle child of vermouth. Yeah. Uh, there's extra dry or dry, and there's sweet slash rosso, and that's it. But in Europe, white Bianco vermouths are the most commonly drank. They essentially, what they are is they're using uh, the same botanical sweet that you're likely to find in a dry vermouth, mm -hmm. but they have a sweetness level closer or the same as the Rosso's. But they're not using caramel. But they tend not to use caramel color. Right. Um, 
They just add straight sugar? Or? And and it's not the botanical, you know, not those like baking spice right. angled botanicals that you'd find there. Uh, yeah, different producers use different things to sweeten. Um, I, I think the most common is cane sugar, but especially okay. in France, you'll find people using beet sugar. It's pretty, just a common commodity yeah, sugar over that's there. That's mostly what they use in Europe, I think. Yeah, often, yeah. You know, these would be really interesting to to taste, actually. So, uh, well, let's get at it. Yeah. So this middle category, the Blanco, is a great chance for us to get away from just France and Italy, too, for a minute, because there's yeah. a third country in Europe that has a long tradition of vermouths, and that is Spain. And I, I think anyone who has traveled to Spain, especially if they're anywhere in the Barcelona sphere, has probably had vermouth by the glass and was amazed at how delicious it was. And it was probably with an orange peel or a bunch of olives, even straight in the glass over ice. I mean, they do all sorts of crazy stuff with vermouth over there. Uh, and it's a really different style. So we okay. have here a great example from Southern Spain. So as you noted on the bottles, they, it says uh, vermouth de manzanilla. Yeah. Manzanilla is a very dry style of sherry. Yes. That Manzanilla is the wine base they're using oh, to make this vermouth. Interesting. Yeah. So okay. they're taking a high quality Manzanilla and adding botanicals, topping it off to just 15% alcohol, so a little less than the others. Kind of a pale yellow. And the nose, to me, really gives away that Manzanilla mm. character. Like, it is a little bit, it's got kind of like a saltiness. It does. Yeah. Kind of soft, especially, you know, we're, we're coming off some pretty intense flavors, so it's like, yeah. gotta, gotta reset the palate a little. I almost hesitate to say it, there's, there's a term in France and in Spain, rancio, which means rancid, yeah. but it's, it's, it's a good quality, yeah. like they like a rancio, a touch of that. In mm -hmm. cognac, uh, sort of a prized thing that you don't find until you get aged cognacs. It's almost like an oily savoriness. Mmm. Mmm. With the nose that it has, I'm a little surprised by the sweetness. Uh -huh. Like I kind of didn't expect it. I think I got kind of lost in well, both in the in the name, thinking manzanilla. I started like getting into that very bone dry sherry mode, and all of a sudden, there's like this sweetness. And yeah, it's very there vibrant. Is. It's very it's, quite delicious. Yeah, no, we. I really like this one. Yeah, and it's it's an example. I think you know I don't know what, exactly what to call it, but there there's just there there is a a, a burgeoning movement of winemakers and and distillers you know and the people in between all over the globe that are taking a fresh look at vermouth and they're saying what could we do with this category we know we like vermouth what could we do that would really make a statement about what vermouth could be and i think this is a great example they're saying well let's take this awesome wine manzanilla and make a vermouth from that i've also got Another bottle with me. Look at that. So this is a very fancy, Whoa. yeah, square bottle with a little wooden cap. Uh -huh. um, this is from Friuli in northeastern Italy, so okay. kind of right up against the like Slovenian border. Yeah, the color of this is purple. Um, Fred Yerbis is the producer. You know, he's he's a guy who harvests all the botanicals himself, or he he buys them specifically from growers that like are working really in concert with him to get the, the most high quality botanicals he can. Okay. Then what he's doing, this, this is a red vermouth, but instead of using a white wine, adding coloring or, or caramelized sugar, 
He's using a red wine huh. for this. The, in this case, it is a Schiopatino, which is a not super well-known Italian red wine, but Schiopatino has floral, fruity notes, maybe like a Beaujolais in a way. It's very, very okay. floral, very fruity, very fresh. And then he's aging this vermouth in cherry wood casks. So like all of those steps are things that you're just not gonna find in mass market vermouth. You know, right. you're not using red wine, you're not sourcing specialty barrels, you're not using uh, like contract grown botanicals. And it's super different. Let's, is, let's uh, pour this. Actually, that, that oh, yeah. brings up a question. Is, uh, is vermouth typically aged after it's made? Uh, typically not. Okay. Um, I would say it, it goes through what they'd probably call in the industry a resting period. Okay. So maybe about a month. And that's to let all the different flavors infuse. So the, the most common thing, say for like a mass market vermouth, you've got your wine base. You have your neutral grape spirit on the side. And you're adding essentially uh, a quote unquote like vermouth mix of botanicals and or botanical flavorings to the neutral grain spirit. Okay. Then you add that to the vermouth okay. and then they're going to put it through that three to four week resting period for bottle. Is that happening typically in uh, wood or in stainless? It's up to the producer. Some, mm. some are in wood, though they're often in such large sort of upright oak casks where there's not a whole lot of wood influence right. on the final product, but okay. sometimes it would be in stainless steel also. Okay. So that, that's sort of the common method. But typically not like aging for like a year. No, no, yeah, definitely not. Um, when you get into artisan producers, they will often have something as a specialty product that mm. is that way. So with, you know, Bordiga, for example, even this, you know, is, is only resting in tank uh, a month, okay. maybe sometimes a little bit longer but not much, but they have a higher tier reserve vermouth that ages first and you know, okay. goes into barrel. And so that's what we've got here is this okay. actually sees, sees time in this cherry wood barrel. So okay. pour it into a wine glass. Well, looks like a red wine. Looks like a red wine. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, that nose is an elixir. <laughs> <laughs> Very floral. Yeah. I get almost like a, like strawberry on the nose, mm. cherry. Another, again, that almond tint that we got from one of these other bottles. Yep. But it's almost, like, yeah, it's like almost the almondine flavor of a cherry pit with the cherry skin bitterness and everything fully intact. Oh, yeah. Mm. All right, taking a sip. Well, that's super tasty. Yeah. I really enjoy that. Oh, man. It's incredibly balanced. Like, there's nothing that, there's no one thing that sort of sticks out. It's just this very yeah. complete kind of, it changes, you know, it transforms as, as you drink it. The sweetness is kind of the first thing that hits on this one, but then that sort of kind of rapidly fades away into kind of a spiciness and... Yeah. I think it's the first of, of this lineup that really has any tannin to speak of as well. Mm. And the sort of the, the second half of the palette, I start feeling the tansin, tannin and sensing the tannin. Yeah. And, and it is the only vermouth that we've tasted that's made with red that's wine. You know, that's, wine. that's made macerating on the skins to pick up that tannin. And it's not over the top, but it, it no, adds it definitely, a it, layer to the bitterness. Yeah, there at the end, like you can sort of feel your tongue drying out a little bit. Mm -hmm. See that? And, and to be fair, this is much more expensive than, <laughs> than Martini and Rossi. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're, we're spanning, you know, I mean, like this, this sort of half bottle Martini Rossi, I mean, it's going to be nine bucks. Yeah. 
Whereas the retail on the Fred Yerbis cherry vermouth is upper 30s. Yeah. You know, so getting, yeah, let's, let's say 40 bucks a bottle. I would say it's four times as good. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially when we're going from don't want to drink by itself <laughs> to, oh, wow, mm -hmm. look at that. I, I've got to try some food now. What's it going to be? It's going to be the pork scratchins. Mm -hmm. Salty. Oh, that's so good. Oh, yeah. That's really nice. It is. It is. It, it's super intense. It, as delicious as it is, I think I'd have a hard time drinking more than one of those mm -hmm. because it's almost like too much. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. I like, yeah, if you're going to really have a vermouth session, yeah. you know, Dolan is, is a pretty good choice. Nyoko Frito with mm. cured salmon roe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, get that salt and smoke. Oh, yeah. I would mm. have a harder time drinking that one on its own, but with, with the food, it sits so nicely. Comes alive. Yeah. Yeah. It, velocity this is this is going to be slightly sacrilegious but i, I kind of my favorite this, this makes this makes a little bit of sense it almost reminds me of what if jägermeister was awesome ah <laughs> so i'm so glad you brought this up People, like jägermeister gets trashed on yeah all the time honestly hands up your scouts on her I think Jägermeister is fine. I'm not going to say, like, I think it's the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. But it's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. And Jägermeister, you know, it's essentially German Amaro. And people love Amaro. Yeah. I mean, it's it's Bitter. also made with tons of yeah. botanicals. Yeah. And, and it's it's mintier, maybe, than most Amaro. And it's a little sweeter. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you know, have it over ice, right? Have it with ice, with a twist of lemon, and tell me that it's not tasty. I defy you, listeners. <laughs> no. They're they're yeah. not they're not they're not brothers, you know, but they're kind of cousins. Totally. You know? Yeah, I mean the the idea behind vermouth and amaro and let's just call them sort of digestifs, you know, which is maybe what really like uh you know, chartreuse and Jägermeister would officially fall under is the category of digestifs. At their base, they have the same historical roots which is you're taking an alcoholic base, you're adding a lot of botanicals, chiefly for medicinal or sort of digestive purposes, mm -hmm. and you're having a little bit before or after a meal. Right. You know, so I, the point is either to sort of open up your appetite, get the stomach gastric juices flowing, or it's to sort of settle the stomach after a really big meal. But yeah, I think there, there's definitely sort of this overarching commonality to them good i feel like maybe it wasn't as nuts as it as I yeah it i mean you're it, nuts when it first but when not I first because of that <laughs> <laughs> it's unrelated things yeah <laughs> We have one other that would be another good example of mm. of the like what i'll call like the new wave of vermouth producers and I, i'm really bummed that it, when we're talking about all these like new things that I only have examples of <clears throat> France, Italy, and Spain. You said you me. had a bunch of like California and Oregon stuff, but you uh, drank it all. <laughs> yeah, those, those <laughs> bottles are empty and recycled <laughs> at this point. But there are people, you know, really all over the U.S. making vermouth now, and they're not making it cheap. I mean, they're, they're, high-end, yeah. really quality vermouths. Um, there's a great producer from Oregon that if, if anyone goes down to Oregon, you should be able to find, even in like a 
I don't know, halfway decent liquor store called Imbibe. And they make some vermouths that are just delightful. And they're using great Oregon wine grapes as the base. You know, yeah. this is kind of no surprise that it would be really good. But then what they're doing with that is they're adding Oregon-specific botanicals, mm-hmm. you know. So it really becomes, it's not just vermouth. Like, it's a vermouth you couldn't make somewhere else. Because right. you wouldn't have Pinot Gris as a wine base. And you wouldn't have sort of Oregon grape as one of the botanicals or, yeah. or anything else in there. Um, so this next bottle that I pulled out... Uh, this is another French vermouth, okay. um, La Quintini Vermouth Royale Rouge. Uh, they do the whole lineup of dry, rouge, and blanc. But the thing that makes them different is that as the wine base, they are using a, a classic aperitif wine in France called Pinot de Charente. Pinot de Charente is essentially the aperitif of the cognac region. So the same grapes that you would grow to put into cognac, they pick those grapes, crush them, get the juice, and let it ferment like just a tiny bit or not at all, and then immediately top off with unaged cognac. Okay. So like cognac eau de vie, you know, white spirit, right. but cognac. Right. It has a ton of character of that region, and, and you're not going to find that character anywhere else in the world. Well, actually, that, that, is a, that does lead to something I was wondering about. Are there... Are there other vermouths, or is that like a, a, a new thing where they're using something other than just a really neutral spirit, where they're using a spirit as well that, that is supposed to have some character, or maybe is like, you know, pot yeah, still? Yeah, I mean, like, only a few people are going that route. Yeah. I, more commonly, what they're doing is focusing on the local botanicals mm-hmm. and the local wines. But this is a great example of them saying, no, let's, let's do this, like, the whole base is this Pinot de Charente, which okay. starts out already at that alcoholic strength of 17%. Right. So they don't add anything else to it other than the botanicals. So mm-hmm. try this. Ooh, that's dark. I really like this stuff. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> wow. They're that also is using dark. Yeah, and there's, you know, the nose to me on this combines a lot of a lot of different things. There's a there's a fruit piece to it, like al- almost like black currant. And I'm like, I'm guessing now, re-smelling it, but there's, there's a nose here that almost suggests um, Cabernet to me. Little, little, like a black currant tang that Ooh. I often get from, well, from, from Cab Franc and from Cab Sauv. Real, I could smell that all day long. I mean, it's just a, really is, captivating. I'm almost getting like the dried tangerine peel, you know, yeah, that's there's common like, there's in, a, in Chinese, Chinese cooking. Yeah, there's you know, a, And a, even a, like, a, like some, some star anise too. The citrusy side is unexpected because it's red, mm-hmm. but it's definitely there. Another that is just really balanced. I like that a lot. It, 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 I'm definitely me, getting a lot of brown spices. Yeah, for sure. And they, you know, I think they use something like 25 different botanicals in the mix. Mm. They probably only tell you like three. Um, and the sweetness is not, even though it's a, it's a rouge, I, like I don't perceive it really as sweet at all. Mm-hmm. Like there's a little bit of, you know, that sort of, a little stickiness and a little yeah, bit Yeah, it's, of... it's more of the textural side you perceive sugar to be present. Like, there's the viscosity that says, yeah. ah, maybe there's some sugar. But it doesn't read as sweet. No, not at all. And if it did to anyone, I mean, you just put it over ice and it kind of mellows that sweetness a little. Oh, yeah. That's delicious. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That might be my favorite one. That is really sensational. And, you know, again, like, I mean, they're, they're pricey. 
But uh, I don't hesitate at all to use a really nice vermouth in a cocktail. I mean, to me, it just makes a better cocktail. Yeah. If you're using a really good whiskey to make a Manhattan, which I think if, if you're a Manhattan lover, you probably have your preferred whiskey right. that you know what you're going to use. But you might not know your preferred vermouth. So, you know, all you whiskey lovers out there, I mean, I'd say, you know, get your favorite whiskey to make a Manhattan and buy three different red vermouths. Yeah. Well, I mean, try that's... them <laughs> at, at the same ratio and then try them at different ratios because you might find, oh my God. I could have been doing this differently all along. I think you know? martinis are kind of like that too, because that's actually like mm-hmm. if I if I'm somewhere where I know the vermouth's not gonna suck, like that's one of my favorite. Yeah, it's sort of. You know, uh, it was like it was like trying that trying that blanco for the first time in a martini. It was like, oh my god, this is still a martini, but it's something that I haven't had before too. So actually, uh, that makes me kind of want to mix a cocktail. If you need gin, I have gin. What gin do you have? Bombay Dry. Yeah, let's use that. I think that would be perfect. I see martini glasses have been brought out. Yeah, well, so I guess what I was thinking is we were talking about a martini and we were talking about a Manhattan. Mm-hmm. There is a drink called the Martinez that is the ancestor of them both. I guess it's, it's, the, it's huh. the father of both the Manhattan and the martini. It's either a martini made with sweet vermouth or it's a Manhattan made with gin, right? <laughs> okay. But it's but it's gin and sweet vermouth. Okay. So it's sort of like melding right in between a, a martini and Manhattan. Okay. And it's a really fun drink for showcasing a good red vermouth because it ends up standing out. And so we're doing Bombay gin to stick with something pretty classic. And that's very, you know, prototypical gin flavors. Yeah. Right? So we're going to do that. So I'm going to do as my ratios here, two ounces of the Bombay dry gin. And you really like this guy, right? The La Quintini vermouth rouge. So let's use that All right. then in this. No objection from me. Right. <laughs> A full ounce. The two to one. Of that. And, you know, we're also going to add, I think, uh, just a, a quick little dash uh, this is an orange bitters that um, Denali Spirits makes up in Talkeetna. Okay. They call it Mother's Little Helper. And then the usual thing that you would do for making a Manhattan is to add a little twist of orange. Mm-hmm. The usual thing for uh, martini would be lemon. In, in this case, I think because this has a lot of that kind of like spicy side to it, I'm going to use a lemon peel as a counter to the flavors in the red vermouth. But you could make this drink with lemon peel, or orange into the drink as well. So a little bit of ice, enough to make it fully chilled and diluted. Gonna stir with my fancy chopstick. Bar spoons are overrated. <coughs> Chopsticks stir way better. Okay, so while, since, we're, since, we're, since we're doing this with vermouth, so what's the deal, you know, there's always the thing that they talk about when uh, in making a martini. The shaken versus the stirred. Yeah. And supposedly, uh, shaking the martini, quote, bruises the vermouth. Uh-huh. Is that like a real thing, or is it <laughs> the kind of thing that you say to sound sophisticated? It's, um, I mean, <laughs> bruising is something that happens to, you know, skin. Yeah. Not to alcohol. That's... So, to that extent, it's not real, but, but I still do think that a stirred martini is better. The reason you would shake a cocktail is because there is something 
some of the ingredients you're using needs to be shaken to be incorporated. Okay. So that would be dairy or citrus. If you put those into something and just stir them, they're not going to fully mix. Okay. So you're going to shake a cocktail that has citrus, like a margarita or like a daiquiri. But if you're making a cocktail that's just, you know, vermouth and spirit, there's nothing there that needs to be shaken. Okay. So you don't shake. That's sort of the way that I tend to look at it. So now we've got this uh, Martinez here. We're just going to serve it straight up, no, no necessarily garnish or anything, just so you can check it out all on its own. Mm. Inviting nose. That's a tasty cocktail. That is a very tasty cocktail. So I often think of it, you know, <laughs> in a way, to me, I think of it like a Manhattan for a summer afternoon. Like it's, yeah. it's a lighter, fresher, more sippable Manhattan in a way. Yeah, I definitely, it definitely feels closer to a Manhattan to me than it does to a martini. Just because, I mean, when I, when I, what I like about martinis is, is how like bracing they are, mm -hmm. you know, and this doesn't quite have that because of the sweetness of the vermouth. Mm -hmm. It's a very, it's kind of a different feel. For sure. But it's also like, it's not, it's not heavy feeling because it's not whiskey. Right. And it know? doesn't have, yeah, it doesn't have the oakiness. <laughs> you know, it really, it stays true to the gin's botanical side, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, way too easy to drink that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm still like thinking back to the, you know, when we first started this and just how, how basic that first sip of the Martini and Rossi extra dry, you know, which is like, I mean, most people's only, the only thing they've ever right. had of vermouth. Right. And like, and then there's this whole lineup and it is, they're all obviously like related to each other, but they're all also incredibly different. Yeah, you know, and, like, they, and they take the concept and notion of vermouth in unexpected directions and manifold directions, you know? And that's what I think is so cool about vermouth as a drink. Check the Pantry is a production of KBBI AM 890 in Homer, Alaska. It's produced and hosted by Jeff Lockwood. Today's guest was Matt Iverson from Turnigan Vines. Vermouth was provided by Turnigan Vines and the Grog Shop. The theme music is String Quartet Opus 10, Movement 2 by Claude Debussy, performed by Kotor Ebain. This is the fifth episode of the first summer 2021 season of Check the Pantry. Support for Check the Pantry comes from the Grog Shop Wine Club, which each month provides members with two or three bottles of unique wines that are currently unavailable in the Homer market. These wines are curated by Patrick Driscoll, who's worked at Michelin Star Restaurants in New York and is the only Level 3 sommelier in Alaska. More information at 235-5101. Additional support for this season of Check the Pantry comes from Bay Realty. Bay Realty has been listing and selling homes, lots, acreage, multifamily, commercial properties, and property management in the Southern Kenai Peninsula since 1974. Learn more and view current listings at bayrealtyalaska.com or by calling 235-6183. Your financial donation as a listener makes this and other KBBI programs possible. Visit the KBBI Public Radio website 
at kbbi.org support to help produce programs like this. Thank you.